Hey, you found us. This is a podcast of Carbon Valley Lutheran Church in Firestone, Colorado, just north of Denver. We here at CVL firmly believe that community is built, not found, that it's local, not virtual. So we encourage everyone to find a local church and help them build their community and be a service to them. With that said, we pray that these podcasts supplement and not replace your spiritual journey. If you'd like to learn more about us at CVL, you can check us out on Facebook or on the web at carbonchurch.com, or even better, stop by in person. We worship at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. May the Lord bless your day. We begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters in Christ on this wonderful Saturday evening. Um, Happy that you're here. We are making kind of a clean start on what we call the season of Advent. So if you've grown up in the church, maybe you know the season of Advent. Um, This is the time of year where really what we're doing is looking forward to Christmas. But I'm going to take that a step further. Advent really not only looks forward to Christmas and Jesus' birth, but traditionally, historically, Advent also asks us to look beyond that, ultimately to Jesus' second coming into Judgment Day. And so today, that's what we're going to start out by looking at is, what, what impact, why does that matter to us as believers in 21st century America? Um, when we talk about Jesus' second coming, when we talk about Judgment Day, I'm going out on a little bit of a limb here to say that that doesn't always bring the most easy feeling, I think, to us. In fact, I think there's many times within our world when um, we are really apt to want to celebrate Jesus' first coming, which we call Christmas, right? Uh, because who's going to argue against Christmas and giving gifts and a little baby in a manger and Mary and Joseph and all the things that come with Christmas, right? And so I think, at least within our world and within our secular society, Christmas remains incredibly um, important holiday. But for us as Christians, We look not only to Jesus' birth, but here's what's really fascinating. For thousands of years, Christians have looked not only to Jesus' birth, but to his return. And I think there's a good reason for that based on the Bible. I think there's a good reason for that based on the church here. And that's what we're going to dig into here today. Our theme, overarching theme throughout this Advent season is going to be turning the light on Christmas. And so we're going to kind of ask ourselves, why do we... Why do we prepare for this? Why do we celebrate this season of Christmas? And ultimately, where does God, God focus our eyes? And so tonight, specifically, uh, our theme is going to be watch. And Jesus is going to guide our eyes beyond birth in a manger in Bethlehem, but ultimately to his, his second coming and his, his return. That concept of light uh, is kind of omnipresent within uh, the season of Christmas. Uh, do any of you have your Christmas lights up yet? You can be honest. Okay, some of you, that was, some of you was, yeah, okay. So some of you are dead set against any lights being up, but some of you have them up already. Um, I'm going to admit something to you here tonight. In the midst of this pandemic, and I, there was somebody I was talking to, this is probably like three weeks ago, I was just ready to put up a Christmas tree and lights like a month ago. I just wanted to fast forward straight to the the feeling of Christmas. I wanted to fast forward through a pandemic. I wanted to fast forward through um, all the accelerating uh, notices and warnings that we were getting and kind of get right to the season of Christmas. So some of you have your lights up. Some of you are waiting for some warm weather maybe this 
coming week. But I think if there's one commonality with that season of Christmas, it's that, isn't it? We see lights starting to pop up everywhere. Um, it reminds us that something important is coming. It reminds us of, of celebrations with our family and friends. And for us as believers, it reminds us specifically of the light that came into the world in Christ. And so tonight, that's what we want to look at. Now, there's a kind of an interesting history of illumination, at least within our American society. Uh, about 1870 is when the U.S. Um, first started installing streetlights in a mass way. So there was uh, sometimes novelty streetlights. They would be um, parts of, of, um, of fairs and things like that. But about 1870, Thomas Edison systematized that and streetlights in our world, which, well, it depends how long I preach to you tonight. There may be streetlights on by the time we're done. No, it won't be that long. But about 1870 is when streetlights really started to illuminate the, uh, the streets and the walkways of, of American culture. And um, if we had our projection and our lights working today, I had all kinds of wonderful pictures for you. But think back in your head at some of those streetlights. In fact, if you see some in historic downtowns, if you see some in historic uh, cities and towns, they're just marvelous. They're incredibly elaborate, right? Um, those early streetlights, and if you, if you see one, and maybe that you turn your eyes to the streetlights as you leave, um, maybe not here, but any, any kind of historic town, those streetlights were like works of art. And it's amazing to me how streetlights have changed to today. So on our property, uh, what, a mile and a half away, the streetlights that we're going to have there are simple square boxes. I don't know, this big maybe? They always look smaller from below, right? They're about that big, and I think they're just going to be LED lights. That's it. No beauty to them. Uh, not elaborate. These are not works of art. All they're meant to do is just illuminate what is below them. And so it's kind of an interesting thing when you look back at what streetlights used to look like and what they look like now. And I think on some level, it's because of how our, our world has changed and how they view illumination. When those streetlights first came out, I mean, this was, at times, this could be life and death. The streetlights meant safety. Streetlights meant you knew where you were going. Streetlights meant that, uh, that, that uh, you weren't going to get into trouble, you, that you going to trip over things and ruts in the road. And those early streetlights, I think on some level, that's why they were works of art. Elaborate cornices, right? Um, made out of bronze, uh, um, just beautiful works of art. And today, not so much. You want to know the change? Well, now we're used to them, right? You expect streetlights. If there isn't a street light out, um, and we're kind of city folk here, but if we get out into the country and there's no street lights and there's no headlights, right? It's amazing what we can see with the stars above. But we take them for granted. They become run-of-the-mill. They become ordinary. That's what we want to look at tonight because I feel that at times there's a danger for us as believers that the light that has come into the world... Jesus Christ becomes kind of ordinary to us. 
I fear that at times there is a temptation for us who, who hear of Jesus, um, are in his word, and celebrate Christmas on a regular basis, and even into the world around us, which increasingly does not know of that light that has come into the world, that we become indifferent to how important that was. So tonight, that's what we want to illuminate. That's what we want to look at. We want to say, okay, Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem, but there's something remarkably life-changingly important coming. Ultimately, we look to Jesus' second coming as well. So let's jump into our text, and I want to look at three things tonight. Uh, We want to talk about Jesus tells us to watch. He says, be on on watch, right? Uh, On your guard. And I want to look at three things. We want to look at um, our temptation towards indifference to this light that has come into the world. Uh, The second thing I want to look at, how Christ enhances our daily living. And the last thing that I want us to look look at, especially as we go into this Christmas season, is that as we focus on that light that we have in Christ, it ultimately brings us incredible amounts of joy. So those are the three things we want to look at. Uh, It shines a light at times on our indifference. It enhances our living and ultimately leaves us with joy uh, as we wait for for him to return. So uh, let's jump into our text. You're welcome to follow along with me if you would like. I'm going to read verses 32 and 33 of of our text for us. It says this, But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Kind of stark words. Now, keep in mind a little bit the historical context into which Jesus was speaking these words. So this was on Tuesday of Holy Week. So if you've been following along with us um, over the last probably about eight weeks, we've been reading from the book of Matthew. And Jesus had teaching after teaching on that Tuesday of Holy Week, right? Parable after parable, teaching his disciples, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, um, those that were actively plotting to put him to death. Um, Jesus was in that temple courtyard teaching over and over and over again. Well, this text from Mark takes place on that very same day. And it's a little bit startling, isn't it? And I think purposefully so. So Jesus is speaking this not only to his disciples, but also to his enemies that are in front of him. And basically what he says is, be prepared, right? That that not only am I going to die and rise again, but I will come back again. Jesus is ultimately pointing his disciples to what we call judgment day. Jesus' second coming. Now, I think at times in our world and for us as believers, when we talk about that concept of judgment day or Jesus' second coming, I think sometimes maybe it's a sense of fear or uneasiness that comes up in us. And I alluded to this at the beginning, but we don't have any problem with Jesus' first coming, <laughs> with his birth in Bethlehem. We love it. We love, maybe Christmas is your fa- literally your favorite holiday, right? We never are worried about the first coming. But when we start talking about Jesus' second coming, when Christ will come back again, when, we, when Christ will come back on Judgment Day, I think that's where sometimes we maybe have a degree of fear or uneasiness. Now, if that's where you're at, I'm not sure that you're alone. Because there's a certain finality when we talk about Jesus coming back on Judgment Day, right? And I think that level of finality at times 
can shake us a little bit. And if, if you're anything like me, maybe at times it should shake us just a little bit. And I have to wonder if on some level that's what Jesus was trying to do for his disciples as well. Because he was coming to them and he's on the precipice of dying on a cross, which they kind of understood, but probably not the full depth at that moment. Right? So Jesus is about to die. He will rise again. He'll eventually ascend into heaven. And Jesus is pointing their eyes to the time when he will return. The disciples needed to hear that. See, what they needed was a vision and a sight of not just what was happening in the here and now, not just Jesus' birth, not even just his death and his resurrection, but of ultimately what Jesus' goal was. It's to set things right. I think we need to hear that as well. Because there are times, I think, in our own lives... When, um, when we need to be reminded that there is an end to this life and this world. And the uneasiness, at least in myself, and maybe you're along there with me, that comes in is that I intimately understand how imperfect I am. I intimately understand how, how much of a failure at times I am. I intimately understand how fractured and how broken my own promises and relationships at times can be. And so when we start thinking of ourselves, when we start thinking of Christ's return, I think all of those things kind of come bubbling up, don't they? The mistakes we've made, the times we have uh, um, cast our Lord and Savior to the side, the times we have cast our loved ones to the side, I think all of those things come rushing back when we consider Christ's coming again. I think that would have happened with those disciples as well. But here's why it's so important for us as believers to not only celebrate Christ's first coming, which is Christmas, which is where we're headed, but his second coming. Because his second coming is, is Christ coming in glory and in power and with joy and with forgiveness. And really, that's what he's putting in front of his disciples He's saying, we work hard, we do the things we can do in this lifetime, but dear disciples, brothers and sisters in Christ, really, we're working and, and looking towards Jesus' return. Because that's why he came. We think about Jesus' birth in Bethlehem in that manger. He came in order to fix the things that are broken in us. He came in order to fix the things that are broken in our world. And on some level, we know that. We look around our lives and into our world and we feel that things do not work as they ought. In fact, our minds, I think at times, and maybe at Christmas more than any, any other, we de desperately, we dearly want things to work as they should. And yet, how often do they? I hate to do this, but... Are any of you on some, is, are any of you in some small measure dreading time a little bit? Okay, you don't have to admit it. Don't raise your hands, right? But I think on some level, sometimes we do. Because there is expectation. And there are past hurts. 
And there may be grudges that are held. And there are times when family has, has hurt us. There are times when we've hurt others. And all of that kind of comes to a head at Christmas time. And I fear that at times we look forward to Christmas not with joy, but at times with anxiety, with worry, and maybe even a little bit of dread. If you do, it's evidence of the brokenness that our world has in each and every one of us and in each and every one of our families. But that's the point. And that's why we look to Jesus' second coming. Because when Christ comes back, all will be made new. When Jesus returns, the brokenness will be no more. No more sin, no more pain, no more grudges, no more uh, um, um, words that are spoken in anger, um, no more uh, struggle within families or within society, no more pandemics, no more masks, none of that. When Christ returns again, things will be set right. And I think on some level, we all yearn for that. We want things to be set right. That's what Jesus was turning the eyes of his disciples to. He was saying to them, I'm going to die. <laughs> You're going to be persecuted. Life will not be easy, but that will not be the end of it because I'm coming back. I'm coming back with glory, with forgiveness, with love, and with open arms. I think on some level, Jesus was trying to set aside the indifference that at times can set in to his disciples and to you and I. He does that by saying, there will be an end to this and I'll return. But the second thing I think Christ's return does for us is it enhances how we live in the here and now, right? So let me go on for you to read verses 34 through 36. Jesus says this, It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. And so we have this picture of Jesus pointing his disciples towards his eventual return. Does the same for you and I. And I think there might be times when we ask, well, what, what benefit is there in that for me, for us as believers in the here and now? Well, knowing that Christ will return, I think actually enhances how we live in this world, in this world of struggle and brokenness. Companies, corporations uh, will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars on trying to, to cast a vision for their company, right? Uh, and some of those companies that do it the best, right, you, you know exactly, as consumers, we know exactly what their vision is, and, and they lift our eyes to what they're trying to do as an organization, right? And so companies will spend millions of dollars on trying to establish a vision of where their company is headed. Well, there's good news for us as believers. We don't have to create that vision. You want to know where you're headed? It's eternity. And you want to know who's there? Jesus Christ. The same Christ, the same Savior that laid down his life on the cross for you so your sins would be washed clean. Now, why do companies do that? They do that in order to, to 
kind of get everybody on the same page and heading in the same direction. Well, as believers, we know exactly where we're headed. And so that allows us to live in a way that gives God glory and honor and loves the people around us. Not just sitting here in a church uh, on a Saturday night, twiddling our thumbs, waiting if maybe Jesus is going to return before the end of the sermon. But he's got a task for us. You hear Jesus' words in his parable, right? He says, each has been given a task. Each of you has been given um, incredible blessings and mission fields in which you operate, family, friends, and community members, which you are uniquely stationed to share Christ with, to share eternity with. And so we are not useless this side of heaven. You are incredibly useful. Useful to your Lord above as we live our lives in glory to him, as we love our neighbors as ourselves, as we forgive as we've been forgiven, as we set aside grudges as hard as, they, as it might be, as we, we ask for forgiveness when we've lashed out in anger and we grant forgiveness to those who have hurt us. As believers, this side of heaven, you are not useless, you are useful because you are able to point people to Christ and to the forgiveness they have in Him, you're able to do that every single day. So, knowing that Jesus could return at any moment doesn't cause us just to sit around and wait. It actually causes us to work, to share Christ, to point people to Him, especially during a time of Christmas. And the last thing it does It brings us a degree of joy. Let's look at verse 37. Jesus says, What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. I asked the kids in the children's lesson to think of the person they most wanted to walk through that door. And their answers were awesome. I was maybe waiting for a superhero of some sort that was going to get named, but they didn't name any of those. So let's do the same process as adults. If there was one person that you would love to see walk through that door, if there was one person that instantly when they walked into a room, you knew things were going to be all right, and they brought a smile to your face. If you could think of that one person, and maybe they're sitting by you here tonight, who would it be? Maybe a spouse, maybe a mother or a father, maybe a best friend, maybe a child. My guess is each of you have maybe one or two that when they walk into the room, it's joy and you know things are going to be okay. Take that feeling person and multiply it by infinity. And that's the reality of Christ when he walks back into our lives on judgment day. We need not fear. We need not have uneasiness or anxiety because when your Savior returns, it is the very same Savior that stretched out his arms and let his blood be shed on your behalf. It's the very same Savior that as he thought about the people that he loves more than anything in the world, Your name was on his mind. That's how we look at Judgment Day. That's how we look at Christ's return. Joy, 
forgiveness, and a time when everything will be made right. And so as we go through this Advent season, we're going to shine the light on Christ and his birth, but also on his glorious return. Because that's the picture. That's where we're headed, brothers and sisters. That's ultimately why Christ was born in a manger, destined to die on a cross, but to walk back into that room, your room, into your lives with forgiveness and love. Amen.